Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Besides the message, it's so crazy because the big thing today was healing, and I had no idea that God had his eyes and mind on me. I'm like, if one more person, don't stand up. Carrie, I was like, no, somebody else. But God is amazing. He is awesome. And when he started the whole, oh, how he loves movement. It is the most wrecking, overwhelming thing. Lyra's been there since the beginning. Stephanie's been there. And the story about when I met her, everybody, I think it was Anna Maria. You have got to meet, you've got to meet this woman. And she walked in the room. Nobody told me who she was. God said, that's Stephanie Butler. And I did. I said, that's her right there. And she said, yep. It was the anointing on her or as Mary and Elizabeth, my baby leaked. And I knew, I said, wow, this is crazy. And you're Stephanie, I'm Stephanie. I said, see, I knew, but that's how good God is. My message is for all of y'all. Again, it's, oh, how he loves, but what is your name? This message, God said, is specifically for you. I don't know you. I don't know your story. None of that. But this is for you. And it's crazy because we did meet Friday and we were supposed to sing. But as if you know me, you know, we, you don't rehearse worship. There's no such thing as rehearsing worship. You get together and you worship. But God had us open the conversation to, oh, how he loves us, those who were coming forth in ministry to worship. But when it comes to just his love for you, one of the first things that I have anybody do, because this message is about healing and brokenness, and it's to literally, as we did earlier slightly, is you just remember everything all the way back to your childhood. My mom said, I remember parts of my birth. I don't know how, but okay. But like literally those traumatizing things as a kid into teenage years when you're rebellious and into your adult years when you're making mistakes or as I call it, living your testimony, those parts of God's love, we know he's there, but we do. We have a tendency to run away from him. So I'm going to start in the message. I don't know. Has anybody raised your hand if you know what Kintsugi is? She said, I do know. I'm sure. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the Japanese art of Kintsugi, which is crazy because I think there's like three people today that gave references when talking to me to gold. And that's what Kintsugi is. We're going to get there in a minute. So first we're going to give the definitions of the word broken. And I'm not going to be long. Let God do what he does. But the definition of broken, and when I read these definitions, Let's be real. If you can think of any of them that apply or have applied to you, God's talking to you today, myself included. So broken, having been fractured or damaged and no longer in one piece or in working order. Of a person having given up hope, as he talked about earlier, despairing, and that's Cambridge. Now we're going to the Miriam, which is my friend. Violently separated into parts. How many times in your life have you literally felt God, or as I used to describe it, my life is a million-piece puzzle where the box does not tell me what it's supposed to look like, and God is like, now, let me put it together. Okay. Now, the problem with the puzzle is that a lot of the times, even though pieces go together, when you're building a puzzle, you see pieces that look like they're supposed to go together. So you're jamming them into that spot, 
Now, all of a sudden, take this spiritually, those pieces that were supposed to go in a different spot don't fit anymore because you've been jamming this piece into there. Don't lose the puzzle piece because you can never complete the puzzle. And we're talking about brokenness here. So when you're violently separated into parts, shattered, when you're damaged or altered by or, is, or if by breaking, having all undergone or been subjected to fracture, not working properly, and that's some of us spiritually in the ministry. I don't care what your calling is. There are times when you're like, God, are you sure? Is it me? When things are going on, you're like, is Ashton Kutcher here? Am I being punked? Because this don't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Being irregular, interrupted, or full of obstacles, violated. My testimony, I was molested, I was raped, I went through, we go through these things, but those are part of our cracks. Keep that word in your memory, those are part of our cracks. Violated by transgression, whether it's your own sins or somebody else's sins. Not kept or honored. I've been married before, and that was the issue. There is no honor here. I'm not kept, I'm not, and it is a book, a spiritual movie on um, Amazon Prime, and it's called The Kept Woman. If you haven't seen it, check it out disrupted by change. When my mother, father, grandma, and grandpa died a day apart, my son died, my uncle died all in a three-year time span, I was disrupted by all sorts of change, and it was nothing but God that is still putting those pieces back together. Made weak or affirm, subdued completely, crushed, sorrowful, a broken heart, a broken spirit, spiritually or mentally or emotionally bankrupt, cut off, disconnected, no longer complete or full, disunited by divorce, separation, or desertion of one parent, a broken home, and the synonyms for, bust, or for um, broken. Busted, fractured, fragmented, shattered, and smashed. There's not a, one of us in this room have, that has not felt that sting. Those feelings were like, you got a God. I just got to be real. I'm broken. I am broken, but God is a God of broken pieces. He loves us so much that now we're going to get into Kintsugi, that not only does he repair us, the art of Kintsugi was originated by a Japanese shogun or the king or the higher up. His name was Ashikaga Yoshimasa. I had to hear that in my ear. Yes, that's a name. And he had this favorite Chinese bowl. So it broke and he sent it back to China and was like, hey, I need y'all to fix this like 500 years ago. And they sent it back to him in the normal style was covered in metal staples. And he was like, is Ashton Kutcher somewhere? Am I being punk? So he was like, okay, let me ask the Japanese people. Hey, you're my top man. Can you make this bowl more pleasing? And the guy said, yes, I'll do it. They got it. They sent it to another maker. And not only did they repair the cracks, but they wanted the cracks to be visible as proof of the breaking. And they repaired it with the form, uh, a liquid called sabi. And then when they were done, they dusted it with pure gold. So now when you look at this bowl, one, if you're looking at it, you don't know that it's broke. You're like, this is a bad bowl. This gold, it looks like veins and veins, symbol, they symbolize light. It looks like a map, which is our journey. And that is what God is doing to us. Kintsugi is literally the joining of gold, when something is repaired with gold. And the thing about Kintsugi in our lives, when you break and God heals you and does so as pure gold, now you are reinforced and you're stronger than the places where you broke before. So if you fall... You might bend, just like it says, a hurricane bending beneath the wind of his ways and mercy. When you bend this time or you fall and you hit the floor, 
you are reinforced and you're not breaking in those same areas. God has said, okay, I love you enough to fix you, make you as pure gold and show the world they broke. I'm not hiding the fact that you broke, but I want that brokenness to be your testimony. And a lot of our testimony, it started out as complaining. I went through this. I went through this. But your testimony is when you say, I'm saved now. And you tell somebody, I went through this, but he brought me out as pure gold. Like I've said it many times, if you see my life on the screen, the old people used to say, you would be so embarrassed. I would not. Because it's proof that this is what I went through. And this is what I survived. Everybody in this room, and God told me to tell you, you have survived 100% of every single thing that the devil meant to take you out. Every single thing that the devil meant to break you, you overcame that. God said, you're not crazy. Don't let people tell you you're crazy. What you are is you're being broken so that I can mend you with gold. I don't want to hide the things that you went to through. I don't want to hide what you're going through now because I want those who had things to say about you to see, yeah, I was, yeah, I did, but look at me now. You're walking around still in your testimony, but I am designed and every crack on me is now made with pure gold. If you've had a child and you know what a stretch mark is, you don't like it. But it does look like a map or some veins. A stretch mark is signs of growth. And not only is it signs of growth when you get stretch marks from being pregnant, it's signs that a life came from here. I brought a life into this world. And God says spiritually, that is what some of us, you're like, I'm uncomfortable and I'm stretching. God said, I'm creating a life vein, stretch marks, cracks, and gold on your body so that people can see the growth, the life that is coming forth from every bit of pain. Because people need to see. Stop hiding what you've gone through or the exact God, words God gave me. In the spiritual, I cannot heal what you refuse to feel. So many leaders want to walk around like they are not hurting and you just all, it's all put together. You're not who I want to lead me. I want to see that transparency. Everybody knew Jesus' ministry. He was not wanted in his own town. He was rejected. And I will go as far to say that based on our thought process nowadays, there are a lot of people, if Jesus came to your town, you would not receive him. He doesn't have enough money. He doesn't dress the way I think he should. His nose is too big. Did you say he's from where? And he's eating over Carrie's house? Do you know what Carrie did? Oh, how he loves me. Everything that I've gone through from four years old being molested, from being raped at 17 in the club, from my father and my mother and the secrets you find out that you go through in life that was meant to tear me apart from a marriage that could have had me in a mental institution. Because when a person tries to manipulate you with the word of God, you say, Lord, is this an antichrist or what is going on? But then once God starts to make you gold, now your prayer changes to, you know what? Not only do I forgive, but I know you want to redeem them too. Every person that hurts you, God wants to redeem them too. When I pray for my children and my husband's children, we have seven combined 
wonderful number. But when I pray for our children, I pray for the other people that we got them here with because it's imperative that you cover them and their broken selves because they have a say-so in your child's life when you're not there. And like she said with her daughter writing that letter, there's a brokenness that God had to repair and is now lacing it with gold to where she can say, okay, now I'm okay enough. Maybe not in your face, but a letter is one of the purest forms of, te of communication because in that letter you're able to put what you would not say out loud. And that's not always easy. So when it comes to your brokenness and you say, okay, God, I need there to be a healing that takes place between me and this person and this person. And like I said, if you close your eyes and you think of all that brokenness, let's be real enough to know that if we're in a whole different setting and you're not there, maybe you are. And I tell a whole different group, close your eyes and think of all the reasons and ways you broke. There's somebody who might see you and say, they broke me. They were a part of my brokenness. So that's when you start saying, okay, God, not just those who have wronged me, but let me be so sincere in my brokenness that those parts that I played in breaking somebody else, because if you sit my kids in a room, they might say, my mother was part of my breaking because I was a 16-year-old mother, which means I was a little girl playing house, trying to raise kids, and thank God I knew God the way I did, but there was so much I got wrong. I'm about to be 42. There are still things that I'm going to get wrong because never will we reach perfection until we hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is when our kintsugi, all of it is complete. And when you make kintsugi, you don't just take the, the broken pieces, which is the first step, you gather them up, and you have to decide that this thing here, like God did with us, it means enough for me not to throw it away. Because I'm sure the shogun, his army was like, you want us to do what with the bowl? Why don't you just throw the bowl away? And that's how people have thought about you. Why don't you just throw them away? Why don't you just cast them aside? Why are you trying to give them another chance? Because God knows that there's something on the inside of you that he did not just see when you were born. He saw before your parents lay there and you were conceived that he knew was another crack that you were going to help repair in somebody else's life. Because our anointing and when we break and when we're healed, it is not just for us. Every last one of us has another life, whether it's your children, whether it's a co-worker, that is tied to your life that you are supposed to be a part of their healing. Now, I'm going to go a step further. We're going to read about Luke uh, in the story of Luke about Lazarus because this is for the men in the room. When women are broken, and y'all do too, but when women are broken, we will bawl and cry. You would think somebody, I'm trying to tell you, get the, what's called the ugly cry which starts as the lump in your throat, and you try not to cry, but then there's some situations where you will cry in front of whoever. I've been grocery shopping, and something has hit me, and I'm like, <laughs> they're like, are you okay? I'm fine. God's dealing with me. I just had a memory. But then men in this society are told not to cry. You're supposed to be strong. You can't show emotion. But if y'all can tell me the shortest verse in the Bible is what? Jesus wept. Jesus is a man. He has spiritual abilities because he is the first man on the earth that ever fully trusted God 100% enough to go and walk on water. 
But if we would have that kind of trust, that kind of faith, where we never doubt it, we would do justice, Peter, and say, Lord, in the midst of this mess and this brokenness and everything I'm going on is crazy. This storm is blaring. But if this is you and you are in it, bid me to come to you in the water. And just like with Peter, he did not start to sink until he took his eyes off of the father. And God says in your in your brokenness, I've been begging you to walk on this water with me. But your fear, your childhood, what mommy didn't do good enough, what daddy said to break you, the man, the woman, the child, the person that bullied you, all those things have made it impossible to do this little act right here. Lift your head up and know that you are called, you are chosen, and that your brokenness is part of not just your testimony, but somebody else's deliverance. Because when that testimony and that brokenness starts off as complaining, the person who is hearing you next to you that was attached to your lifeline, now they are discouraged. That's not what we're to do. The Bible said don't murmur, don't complain for a reason. Because like I posted a video on Facebook, what you do in the spiritual waiting room of your brokenness matters. How you wait matters. How you allow yourself to be broken matters, but there can be no healing if you're not first broken. There's a quote by a man named Arlo Guthrie, and it says, you can have no light without a dark to stick it in. Every last one of us started as a dark past, dark testimony. And I tell people all the time, there's times you might be sitting next to a murderer, a molester, a raper, someone who beat women, a woman who beat men. You never know who's next to you. But every person has a testimony, and some of us are not proud of it. But it's part of our kintsugi. It's part of that brokenness that God is saying, I did not lose a single piece. You thought I did. Anybody ever suppressed your past? I forgot this happened to me. Sometimes you do it because the trauma is so big, and sometimes you do it because so much has happened, you literally forget different things that has happened. One of the arts I tossed my sister, uh, America, and all the worship team, when we very first met us, God said, in order to be real before him, it's not comfortable, but sometimes you have to get a piece of paper and write every single thing on this paper that is keeping you from heaven. If God came back today, what about me would keep me from being closer to God? Because we're not perfect. The Bible said there's not one man that's without sin. But once we give him that transparency and that brokenness, only then can God start to heal it because now you're calling it for what it is. I'm a mess. I cuss too much. Lord, I'm drinking too much. I'm a liar. I gossip. I watch too much TV that makes me want to do what's on the TV because I am recovered from marijuana, thank God, for almost two years. But I don't know if y'all know who Wiz Khalifa is. They call him the high rapper or Snoop Dogg. If I turn on some Snoop Dogg and I'm supposed to be delivered, now I want to smoke a blunt because that's all Snoop talking about. Snoop ain't even got to talk about smoking a blunt. If this man is so, smoke so much weed that if he stands on your TV screen, you're going to look at him and be like, oh, he is high and not on the word of God. But once you get saved and sanctified, like we just dealt with today, there's a such thing as a Holy Ghost high, a Holy Ghost drunkenness that you have no regret in the morning. You don't have to be like, who is this laying next to me? You don't have to say, what did I do last night? 
No, because God's going to call it to your remembrance. I anointed you. I touched you last night. My anointing was on you. You stumbled. You couldn't make it to your car, but it was because I was there. There's nothing you have to regret with this drunkenness. There's nothing you have to regret with the Holy Ghost high. But even after all of those club nights, everything we did, the fornication, the lying, the gossiping, oh, how he loves now, I'm going to read quickly in uh, John. I said Luke. In John 11. So I want to show you the heart of the Father and how he loves. Because there is nothing that compares to the love of God. My husband, baby, I love you more than anything in this world under God. But I cannot love you unless God loves me. And I take that love and put it back on you. Anybody married. Your kids don't come before your spouse. The word literally says your spouse is next under God. Because if that love is correct, then you can love your children from a different place. I just, I don't know where that came from, but I had to hit on that. Okay, so John 11 really quick. Not Jonah. It starts with the J, not the same thing. All right. All right, the death of Lazarus. Most of you, I'm sure, know this story. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha. And it says in quotations, and I love this, the same Mary was the Mary who put perfume on his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. That is very, think about her story, who she was. She wasn't even supposed to be there according to everybody else, but that's who you are when God has you in places that you're not qualified for, but he's called you. Because if he calls you, he qualifies you, he equips you, and not a man can validate you but him. Now, all right, Lazarus lay sick. The sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Let's start there. Jesus loved Lazarus. Let's not get that confused but even just like Lazarus just like he talked about the parable of the sheep and the shepherd he loves every last one of us with that same love I know he loves y'all too but when it comes to me and his relationship it's like I feel like he loved me more than y'all even though I know he doesn't but that's how you need to see your relationship with him it's intimate Jesus loves me despite everything he knows about me Jesus loves me more because of what he knows about me. First of all, when I did these things, he knew I was going to do them, and he still loved me. Can you imagine you sitting with your homegirl? So-and-so just did this. Girl, you shouldn't talk to them. Now, imagine Jesus and God in heaven. Now, Jesus, Stephanie just did this again. You shouldn't talk to her for a while. Thank you, Jesus, that he is not like us. Now, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Your brokenness will not end in death. It won't. No, it is for God's glory. Everything you're going through went through your testimony is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So though he's talking about Lazarus, take this for yourself. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Why are we talking about all this love in this verse? So he loved Lazarus. He loved Martha. He loved Mary, right? And he loves every last one of us. He loved them. And it said that he, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He didn't rush. 
Because God knows that that breaking, that death was something, as he said, God's going to get the glory for it. So those moments you laid and you complained, God, where are you? And I'm calling you. You don't hear me. Your timing's not my timing. You having me rush to something that I need you to fill a little bit longer. You having me rush to a broken spot that I need you to break a little bit more. It's not going to feel comfortable. But there's a couple more cracks that I'm going to allow to come on your surface because you're not ready yet. You're not ready. If I heal you too soon because you are begging me to, you are not getting the full anointing that's supposed to be on your life. So sit here patiently and break as I break you. Now, he stayed there two more days. And then uh, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. And as always, but rabbi, the disciples were the most but rabbi. Why are you doing this? What is the reason behind this? Because God didn't reveal everything to them. Some things you have to see played out before you. Just like he can't speak to everybody in plain English and had to give up. Well, what about the, the period? There was a man in the field and they like, can't you just tell us in plain English? And what he said, everybody doesn't receive it the same. He was the most riddling riddler for anything you got to say, he could have just said because this woman needs to be healed because she was bleeding for 12 years. Someone touched me. Who touched me? Not only did she touch me with her broken self, but how did he know she touched him? Because he said, I felt the power, the anointing leave from me. Doesn't mean that he's empty now because God can never be empty. Jesus can never be empty. But it means for a moment, the brokenness in this woman and every last one of us need to touch the him. But the brokenness that woman was so intense. Her faith was so intense that if I touched the hem of his garment and he felt, wow, the power of my father just went forth from me. And if you're not crying those crying of tears and your brokenness, you're not crying the right tears. If you are not trying to touch the hem of, your, of his garden and your brokenness, you are not there yet. Because true brokenness said, I need a savior. I know I'm not supposed to touch him in this crowd. I know everybody else is around him touching him. But my condition is different because it's me. You have to be that selfish when it comes to your healing because then that selfish, selfishness leads to selflessness after you are healed. Don't ever act like you arrived because if you act like you arrived, I'm going to ask you where did you arrive to so I can avoid that area because I want to get the, the word that he wants me to get there. I want you to see every crack, every stretch mark. I want you to see the death that I was resurrected from because it's proof that if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. I want to be like the woman at the well. She told everybody. I imagine her on the road and seeing the little puppies. <laughs> do you know what the man at the well tell me? The puppy like, huh? No, just listen. The dog is like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But that's how happy she was that God healed her. He told me things that, I, that, that he shouldn't have known about me. He, didn't even, he wasn't even nice. The man that you, that you land with now ain't even your husband. But for whatever reason, when God corrects you, you're not offended. Because one is the truth. And two, after he tells you these things, there's a correcting. There's a gold on the way to cover this wrong if you can admit it. Again, he can't heal what you are pretending that you don't feel. But Rabbi, again, they said, a short while ago, the Jews, tried, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back 
Some of us won't go back to minister to people who hurt us, but that's exactly what God is calling us back to. That forgiveness is for a reason that I'm trying to get you to extend to somebody else. It is for a reason. But God, she disrespected me and you've disrespected me. Well, God, my children are not representing me well. And daughter, you haven't always represented me well. But I forgive and I love and I don't always place you back where you should be. I may walk beside you and you may be like the Israelites that took 40 years to get somewhere that you may have been able to get in a week because you're complaining. Did you really just make food for me every day and I'm wondering how I'm going to eat tomorrow? Did you really just have my light bill paid and I didn't even have the money to pay it? Did my car just get repaired and I didn't have no money? God has proven himself too many times for us to continue to doubt him. He has healed our brokenness for too many times for us to act like he can't do it. First of all, there is nothing that my God, I don't know about your God, but there is nothing my God cannot do. Not one thing. And when I say nothing, that means no thing. There's no thing he cannot do. Jesus answered them why they talking about the past and what just happened a week ago. Are there not 12 hours a day night? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. If it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And that's real. When we used to turn up before we turned up in the spirit, we, when we were getting lit in the world before we were lit in Christ, which I call living in truth, most of it happened at nighttime. Daytime, what they say, you can't, why are you drinking? It ain't even five o'clock yet. Well, it's five o'clock somewhere. The darker it gets, the later it gets for whatever reason. And we know the devil is a devil of darkness. Your sins seem to be more justified like people can't see them. Not the truth. Now, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus, because he can't just tell them what, he, what they think he should tell them. He has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Lazarus grown, ain't he? This grown man can't wake himself? That's what we be thinking because that's the mind. God, Jesus could have talked to him plainly. Lazarus is dead. That's not how he was saying this. We're not dead, but some of us spiritually have fallen asleep. In our brokenness, we have fallen asleep, and we need God to come touch us again and wake us back up. No different than when Lazarus. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. <laughs> Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. A lot of the times God is trying to tell you things spiritually, but you're only willing to see in the natural. Pray for his sight. Pray for his ears. Just like she said, pray for his heart. Because everything is not as it seems. So then he told them plainly, okay, I guess y'all didn't get that. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake... I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. For your sake, I'm glad nobody could take you out of this brokenness because when I healed you, if they would have did it, you wouldn't believe it. For your sake, I'm glad that when everything was stacked against you and people counted you out, said what you could not do, you will never do, you don't know any better, you can never do anything right, I'm glad that they were there to see that part because when I heal you, they can say that, oh, my goodness, this was nothing but God, because I know in my situation, I know some people be like, KK's in a who? <laughs> and E what? Evangelist. But 
KK. First of all, her name is Carrie now. She's, God has changed my name. But when you look at those things, people can't believe that this used to be you. Yeah, I did used to sin with you. I used to turn up with you at the club, but now my anointing is much better and higher than any way that I was moving in the club. Now I move for Jesus. Amen. That's what deliverance looks like. I want you to look at me and remember what I did. So now that it's more evident to you that she don't look the same. She doesn't walk the same. She doesn't talk the same. I don't even dress the same. Because when God heals you and he changes you, he changes you for real. And that's how you know when you're being sincere in your Christianity, in your relationship, not religion. Religion is a set of rules. Relationship is I know God because we've been intimate. He makes love to my soul. In the midnight hour, he wakes me up to remind me that he loves me. I do that to my baby back there. Hey. But that's how God is. The only way in a relationship you fall in love with somebody is through the knowledge of who they are. And for God, there's divorces every day I've been there because a person had a knowledge of you and the God in them, or maybe it was his will for y'all to go a separate way, but it was not enough. They could not handle something in you. And sometimes it's the anointing on you that they could not handle. But for whatever it was, God stuck and God stayed when everybody else left. He said, okay, you're asleep and now it's time for me to come wake you. My bride, my daughter, my son, my prize. Because all that ugliness on you, those fractals, make perfect sense to me. Those veins and those cracks, signs of life, make perfect sense to me. I don't want to throw you away. I want to resurrect you. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. I'm not asking that, but he did. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in his tomb for four days. That's four days where you probably smell away all that. And some of us don't even realize that we're dead and we smelling because we've been in that dirty diaper so long that it's comfortable. But God. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Everybody shouldn't be comforting you. Let's be clear on that, too. Everybody shouldn't give you a word. So while you're going through and you're in this, whether you're grieving for somebody else or for yourself, watch who you allow to speak into your life. Watch who you allow to prophesy over you and have, first of all, pray for the discernment, Lord, that I know the difference. Because some people can speak life over you because the spirit on them, they are imparting death on you. So have the discernment to know the difference. Now, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, dude, if you had been there, my brother might still be alive. Like, what's going on? First of all, I know your brother's dead. I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> but it's not a loss to me because I already know what I plan to do in reviving him. But go ahead. He understands. There's a verse, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because he understands there's going to be times we don't think he's that good of a father. There's going to be times where we say, Lord, if you would have healed me yesterday, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have healed me this time, my husband wouldn't have left. If you would have healed me this time, my kids might not have cussed me out. If you would have healed me this time, I wouldn't have had to get my lights cut off. But sometimes the lights got to go off for God to turn them on appropriately. Because you were on the wrong circuit of electricians anyway. 
So when he does it, it's done. It is complete. It is finished. And um, he said, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I had to get that out. I had to complain, but I know that God's going to use you for this situation. And like we have said earlier, God wants to know what you're feeling. He wants to know. He understands. If you ever read the book, The Shack, which is one of my favorite books in the world, there's a part when Jesus is talking to Sarah Hugh and um, God, and they're like, so how are your kids doing? And I would have thought the same thing, but you know how my kids are doing. But he said, it's different because I know how they're doing, but he takes joy in hearing our interpretation of our love for our kids. So yes, he knows, but when we tell him, it's like a new thing because it's coming from our heart. Now, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in resurrection on the last day. Jesus is like, boy, I'm setting you up. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm about to do here. And Ashton Kutcher is not going to come out. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do y'all believe that? Do you believe that you are and have been Lazarus in your story, but he's going to raise you from the ashes, from your brokenness, from every bit of deceit, deceptfulness, even if it's been you at your own hands, even if your brokenness, again, has been because you just kept busting your head against the wall and just choosing not to heal correctly because there's a brokenness that happens from God and there's a brokenness that happens from just straight up disobedience and failure to comply with his law and his rules. But either way, do you believe that he loves you enough like he loved Lazarus to the point where you will live with him, but you got to die to do it? Jesus loved you so much that he allowed his body to be broken for you. And if you read the translations, it said that a word would be fulfilled, that not a bone would be broken. But when you have a spear put in your side, your body is not whole. When you have a crown of thorns placed on your head, your body is not whole. And I would love to think when I think about that image in my head, that just as his mother looking upon her son and saying, my baby, that I would have been there in that moment crying just as hard as saying, my king, my repairer, my restorer, look what they've done to you. And it is nothing but love to still die for them and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We are too human for that at this point. Now, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Now, we know Mary got a complaint, too. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Mary and Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up. People need to see how quickly you get up to where they're interested and want to follow you because there's an urgency. There's an urgency in Mary because Jesus is here now. Now, Jesus, okay, where are we at now? They noticed how quickly she got up. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. They don't need to know the reason that there's a quickening in your spirit, but it should be enough to make them want to follow you. When Mary reached the, pre, the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. Now, catch this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping. When he sees you weeping and your children are weeping because you weeping. He was moved deeply in the spirit and troubled because don't get it twisted. What troubles you troubles him because he loves you that much. Where have you laid him? And I could just see him. Where have you laid him? Because at this point, I've taken the fact that y'all have complained, and I get it. I get it. You're hurt. You are broken, and I understand. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Shortest verse, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. That's intimacy. That's a friend. That's a friend. Now, we're not going to go any further, but we know the story that Lazarus rose, but he rose in his grave clothes. That means when you rise, you don't just rise completely new. There's stuff that had to fall off of you first before you could be alive in Christ. That means that old way of thinking has to now be changed because there is no transformation without renewing of your mind. That means those things that mommy taught you because she didn't know any better, just doing the best she could. Ask God now what was right, what was wrong. Those things you saw daddy do that daddy had no business doing, retrain yourself. That pain that was caused in your life that you thought was normal. Because being told I was sexy at four years old, I thought that was just normal. Until God showed me real love. Because once he shows you real love, then you know what ain't real love. We're going to stop for a minute because I want y'all to go back. And this time I want y'all to see yourselves as Jesus on a cross. And God comes to you and says, Lyra, it's about time for you to give up the ghost. You got to die for your coworker, Susie, because I don't even like Susie. You got to die for your child. My child disrespected me yesterday. Why would I die for them? You got to die, let's go farther, for that ex that broke you. Why would I do that? Okay, now it's time for you to die for this world. How many of us would actually give up the ghost? But let's not get it mistaken. Eli, Eli, let my Shabbat deny. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So if Jesus can have that moment, what makes you think that he does not understand your moments when you are saying, my God, my God, I feel like you have forsaken me. Now, like I said earlier, if you close your eyes and think on every single thing that broke you from childhood to now. And Jesus could have really got off that cross. But instead, with his eyes closed, everything that broke you, he saw it all in that moment. And says, Stephanie leads me to let go. Laura needs me to let go. Kalia needs me to draw this last breath. But just like with a good movie, there is a plot twist because my God does not stay down. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Now, I want you to go up a little further to, again, get somebody in your mind that you have not been able to fully forgive. In this case, we're talking about Judas. And this is from a book I read by author Pete Grieg. Judas was so moved by what he'd done in, what, in a negative capacity, he hung himself. 
Jesus died on the cross for our forgiveness. So just imagine Judas didn't hang himself. And he's somewhere and he's crying and he's broken. How could I do this to my savior, to, to my teacher? How could I do this to my God? 30 pieces of silver? How could I do this? And Jesus gets off of the cross. And remember when he showed himself to the disciples when he rose? He walks up to Judas. And he lifts his chin and he says, Judas, I forgive you. If only Judas would have hung on a little while longer, he would have been forgiven. We are still alive. So I want to encourage everybody in this room, hold on a little while longer. If it takes that two days that Lazarus had to wait in the grave, hold on. If it takes two more years of pain and sickness and suffering, hold on. Because whatever it is that you may not understand, God knows that when you come out, every scar, every tear that you've cried, every word that they said against your character, every bit of assault that the devil threw at you, God is not only going to repair you wholly, but he is going to repair you and replace every crack with pure gold. Because at the end the middle and the start of your day, oh, how he loves you. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it looks like. God understands your frustrations, but he loves you. He is in love with you. He is fond of you. He is in armor with you. He wakes up at your side saying, girl, if you could see you how I see you, everything would make sense. It would all make sense because to him, you are the most beautiful, worthy thing. When people wonder why he didn't just throw you away, he said, because not only is she worthy of gold, she is worthy of heaven. She is worthy of forgiveness. She is worthy of all things of my love. And he's going to teach you how to give that love away because it's hard. God said, you've been finding it so hard to trust even in him. But he said, hold on, just hold on. Don't let go because he has a plot twist in store for you that people who know you're going to be like, she don't look the same. She don't talk the same. She don't walk the same. She don't even act the same. Lift your head up because God loves you. And that's for everybody in this room. Hold on, wait a little while longer because my father loves you and he loves you well. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming. Keep praying and simply obey because God is good and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world.
If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you. We love you. Have a blessed day.